stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's stock strategist, Jeremy Mullen, who is also the editor of Zach's Commodity Innovator Portfolio. Perfect timing to talk about what else? Commodities. So commodities are among the hottest things out there, and they have been for the last year, but they're really picking up steam here in 2022 across a whole basket of commodities because of the Ukraine war. That's putting pressures on everything. We've got oil surging. Um, We've just got people hoarding. I heard on the radio today they're hoarding sunflower oil now because that is a big product out of Ukraine. They are the largest producers. And a lot of the cooking oils were already tight on the market prior to the Ukraine war. And now it's gonna get even tighter. So if you want some sunflower oil, apparently you need to get it right now, or you may not be able to, or you're gonna have to pay. So you've got strange things going on on various products like that. Um, I was reading in Reuters, Uh, here in March 2022, that you would think with the wheat soaring that this would be good for U.S. farmers, right? We're big wheat producers, even though Russia is the world's largest wheat exporter. Ukraine's also big on wheat and corn, but U.S., we're big on it too. And wheat prices are soaring. They went to new record highs above $12 a bushel. But according to Reuters, the spike was so quick in the U.S., that many of the farmers couldn't offload any wheat, like to the futures markets, to the buyers out there, the grain elevators, those guys, nobody would buy it at the top because they were afraid they would lose money if they bought in at those super high prices. So that's kind of a wrinkle in there. You might think something was good for say the US farmers and then now it isn't. Then on top of that, you have fertilizer prices soaring. That's also impacting the farmers. Those are at 14-year highs. So some farmers are now cutting back ahead of spring planting season because they either can't afford the fertilizer prices or they can't get any. There is a shortage on some of the fertilizers. Um, One of the big makers, again, Russia and Ukraine, both fertilizer producers, Some of the U.S. producers are trying to make up some of the slack, uh, but that takes some time because it is actually mined. So it's not like you can just snap your fingers and have more fertilizer. So they're raising production, but can only do so much. So those prices are soaring. And then we just have the other, the metals, copper at new highs. We have gold, not doing as much as you might think with all this commodity inflation action going on. But Jeremy, I can't keep up. And even as an investor in some of these things, like if I'm a stock investor, I'm trying to buy like ETFs or some stocks that might benefit from everything going on. Those have surged a lot. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe it's too late to get in on this commodities trade or if you see this going for, you know, months ahead and if, we're just in the early innings or what what is going on out there yeah hey tracy thanks for having me um all great points you just made and everything that's happening out there in the commodity market it is it is pretty crazy and i don't think anybody should 
should feel bad about trying to make sense of it all. I mean, it's hard for professionals to make sense of it. And that's why we see such uh, just crazy moves. Um, and I'll just go over some quick numbers for, you know, what's happened over the last year. We got Nat gas, 96% crude, 72, coffee, 69, wheat, 66. And, you know, they're from soybeans to corn to cotton to aluminum, they're all high numbers. The only thing really struggling is silver still down 5%, but it's like all these commodity names have made such a push. And what we're getting right now is an external event in the news that's creating this extra pressure on the supply side of commodities, like you said, the war in Ukraine. And I kind of want to, you brought up a couple things that I can uh, add to. Yeah. Um, you brought up sunflower. Um, and from my understanding, there's going to be a 30, 35% drop in production of corn and sunflower out of Ukraine. And for the sunflower side, they are big exporters, um, also in wheat. Now, the winter wheat is already in the ground, so it's not as big as a problem right now. But to get it out of the ground could be a problem if the conflict is prolonged. So really, um, the next, if this ends in two to four weeks, wheat prices should be relieved because they can get it out of the ground. Um, now, fuel is a big issue too, right? So yeah. any fuel to get that crop out of the ground is going to the forces, armed forces of Ukraine, right? And so we're going to, if this goes on for another two, three months, um, you're just going to be a lot of pressure of getting that crop and it might be wasted. So yeah. um, there, there's just a lot of unknowns. We, we don't know. I, it's very hard to speculate what uh, Putin's next move will be. Um, if there can be a compromise, you know, there's a lot of optimism that some kind of ceasefire or peace can be made, um, however that might pan out. Um, but yeah, this is what is creating such a uh, pressure in the commodity markets. Um, this external event that, you know, we we were along a lot of this stuff in commodity innovators and they went up moving into this event and we sold a lot before and they doubled, tripled. You know, it's just one of these things that like, nobody could see that coming. And now trying to get into these these products that have moved so much, it's very, very difficult to to make that call now i think yeah. one part, part of your question was like is this kind of a longer term trend sure it could be i mean there's more dynamic to this uh regarding inflation right so Correct. my recommendation would be to kind of um wait for this event to pan out because if there is peace made a lot of these commodities are going to come in uh, aggressively overnight and then kind of see if this longer term trend is uh, uh you know still sustaining and this is when you want the exposure for a longer term um you know idea into uh into commodities so i mean even just taking a look at um like the fertilizer stocks like mosaic for instance ticker mos so that's at new highs year to date it's up 66 percent over the last two years, I looked this up, it was it's up 581%. Now they mine the potash, um, so that's their key area, but they're only trading at five times their forward earnings because those earnings are soaring right now. But after a big run like this on something like a fertilizer that may, you know, is going to be impacted by whatever happens in Ukraine, should I stay on the sidelines and wait? Because a stock like this, I I think, will pull back if there's some kind of, you know, peace agreement or, uh, you know, 
some kind of settlement over in Ukraine. Yeah, for sure. It will. And, okay. you know, with that, uh, CF Industries, Agrium, like those names, um, we were long, um, uh, Nutrient is another, like we were long all those um, kind of in and out um, earlier this year. And like I said, we got some nice profits in this external event, okay. really got them going. And I would encourage investors, like I know these things are hot. And like you said, there's there's some fundamental things showing up that make them look good. But just go back and look at 2007, 2008, and when corn like that's kind of I can't kind of came into trade in 2004 or five. So I was kind of getting going with these hot uh, names, uh, Mosaic, CF, Podash. They were all in Anderson's were yeah. all going bonkers. And um, there were some of the hottest stocks out there. And, you know, and when the grain markets pulled in, they did as well. And the market was dead for about a decade. Um, and I want to reiterate, you know, we have this external event. So they're getting going. If this event um, calms down, we will fall into this inflation kind of trend too. So I'm not saying they come all the way back down. There's still kind of like a a, a, a nice uh, thesis for these to belong these, but these levels after this run, I'm kind of looking for this macro pullback if this event can, um, <laughs> I keep on saying that, but th that's really what needs to happen. If this event yeah. goes away, we can kind of figure out where we're at. What about with some of the metal companies, like a specifically copper. So I, I was taking a look at Freeport McMoran, um, FCX is the ticker, and that one is up year to date 18.5%, two years, almost 800% now <laughs> in two year time. Copper's been red hot. It's a little different than the fertilizer, wheat, sunflower issue from Ukraine because you know, usually these metals kind of get hot when the global economy is hot. So is there further, you know, momentum in these kinds of stocks, like a Freeport? I looked at Southern Copper, too. That's ticker SCCO. And that one is up 24% year-to-date and two years, 200%. What, what do you think about, like, these metal type of companies? Yeah, you know, the FCX, the Freeport really stings because we were along like $17 uh, and, you know, we got a nice return on it. I think I sold high 20s and <laughs> you type it up today, it's at 50. So, right. um, yeah, you know, copper has been trading with this 4 to $5 range over the last year or so, and it looks like it could break higher. The only thing that I'm hesitant uh, with, with copper is like this whole if commodities continue to go higher, there might higher. There might be some demand destruction in all uh, all these areas. And you know, China really kind of scares me. If the growth is slowing, a lot of that demand, you know, comes from them. So sure. you could see you could see them pull back because of that. However, if it does stay just in its range, Freeport and Southern Copper and stocks that um, deal in copper are going to do pretty well. It's just you don't want to see it. The copper price collapse, obviously. So, you know, the difference between Freeport and Southern Copper is, is that dividend. Southern Copper has a nice high dividend. So, if you want to, you want to kind of sit in the trade and get paid while you wait for it to pan out. If, you know, your thesis is inflation is going to remain over the next five years, that's a good place to be. Freeport's a little more volatile, uh, but yeah, they're both great stocks to be exposed to that copper trade. Okay, uh, I'm gonna have to take a look. <laughs> yeah. I, I would. This is if you follow the copper price, I would under four, I wouldn't want to be in the trade anymore. Over over five, you're like, 
I mean, that's going to be a, a possible breakout. So that that's okay. kind of like there it's in trading in that big range. It's either going to break down, break out or base. And that's if it bases, that's a fine place to be in like a Southern Copper because you get that dividend. What do you think about some of the big cap miners that are like I, I consider them kind of be like big oil, but in the mining side, like they have multiple commodity exposure like bhp group ticker bhp i used to own this like 17 years ago the last time commodities were hot because they have copper but they also have oil coal nickel they do fertilizers they're an iron ore like this is like one of the big guys that's in like everything so it feels like hey i can just buy this one stock and i'm getting exposure to basically everything across the board. Yeah, it's almost like owning a commodity ETF when you're in that guy, yeah. right? What do you yeah. think about those? So we just bought, I just bought Rio Tinno and commodity emitters yesterday. Oh. Um, oh. And so, you know, kind of the same idea, big dividends in these guys. I mean, they're both about the same market cap. I think BHP is a little bigger. Um, I see, I think I saw 8% dividend in BHP and uh, uh, Rio is actually double digit dividend. So. Wow. I mean, these, these things pay out nicely. They have low PEs, um, kind of like what you mentioned earlier with some of those other stocks. Um, and yeah, so if these uh, if these commodity prices remain, um, you know, in consolidation phase and don't break down, these stocks will hold up and they'll be great places to sit tight. Okay. Yeah, because both are up year to date. Rio is up 14% and BHP is up 17 No. So yeah, but I'd like to add also though, like these can get volatile as these commodity prices uh, get pretty volatile, which they have been lately. So, right. I mean, if you just look in uh, in uh, Rio in just the month of March, uh, spiked up to 84 on the invasion, right? Yeah. And back under 70, and then it, it kind of broke above. It broke some moving averages and fell down. Uh, in, what was that last week? And then we uh, kind of rallied back above some technical uh, areas. And that's why I got back in the trade. So now it's back at 78. So 84, 70, 78, that's pretty volatile month uh, yeah. for a stock that has like, you know, that big dividend, $100 million market cap. You know, it's, yeah. like, those are big moves. So, so should would, investors would, be waiting for that kind of move again, like to uh, buy on weakness? Yeah, I was just gonna say that, exactly. Okay, okay. that makes sense. Cause I feel like there's a lot of Johnny come lately's in a lot of these trades. <laughs> after because of the invasion and then suddenly everyone's like how can i play that and they all were like diving in at the same time but i feel like they're gonna have weak hands and they're gonna dive out right well people are trading like they're tech stocks now so right. Right. they're not tech stocks guys so let's be <laughs> sure to be a little more uh you know you just gotta be smart with this and i would encourage people to look at the moving averages if you want some stop losses on this if you're just in it for a trade really that that's your clue as to when to get out because you don't want to ride these down if, if the commodity price start to break down for whatever reason you know let's right. say right. let's say this uh the war ends in two weeks and then we get a 50 basis part uh point hike um you know from the fed well that's going to put a lot of pressure on commodity prices so you just got to be careful this this these ideas and these stocks can just it can change overnight so you just got to kind of be careful okay that's good advice now let's talk about gold because I know we talked about it another time you were on the podcast, 
But it seems to me that some of the situation has changed, but it really hasn't with gold. <laughs> so the gold isn't doing anything. Why, why not? Why shouldn't this be the one that I would want to be in and to buy the GLD, the actual ETF that you know owns the gold? Why would I not want to be in that right now with inflation doing? I mean, we just had a huge PPI out of Germany, for instance, you know, over 20%. So why why is gold not the place? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to explain. Gold's always been the inflation trade. Um, it doesn't seem to be as much anymore. I don't know if the money just wants to flow into something like Bitcoin. Um, you know, if you look year over year, big, it, people say it's not Bitcoin isn't, but year over year, Bitcoin went up a lot, a lot with inflation, and gold just didn't gold just went flat just hung around the $1800 level even tried to break down to the $1700 level so recently it spiked up but why did it spike up it was fear it wasn't necessarily inflation right we started trending higher a little bit but we really didn't get going over the $2000 level until the invasion happened so that's a fear trade so once again i'm a little nervous on what gold does and we need this external event gone to give us a clue of what gold really is here. And you know, right now, if I just look at the chart, the chart looks great. We're, we've pulled back from that spike and kind of consolidating. And you know, we can get back going over that 2000 uh, level. But once again, if the Fed raises 50 and we get a ceasefire, does the fear goes away and we have higher interest rates? Is that good for gold? I'm not sure about that. Now, uh, for the miners, yeah. As long as gold can hang above 18, 1900, those miners will still be a pretty good trade, especially over 19 and into 2000. I love the miners just because they're, you know, they're kind of printing money um, with gold at that price. Um, so I think you mentioned, if you mentioned uh, GDX is, yeah. is the miner that you, you want to be in for that, it has like Newmont, Barrick Gold, and Franco Nevada in there. Um, okay. So that's got, I, we have both. I have uh, GDX. We've had that for a while in Commodity Innovators. And then um, UGL, which is another ETF, it's just kind of a smaller leverage ETF instead of the GLD. Uh, either one works. Um, probably for most investors, GLD is the best way to get into the gold. And then if you want to play like those miners, then you know GDX is where you want to be. I, I did take a look at GDX because I was just curious after I saw you know kind of the so-so performance of GLD that GDX year to date is up 18%, but GLD is only up five. And even over two years, it's up 83% and GLD is only up 28. So clearly it's kind of disconnected. Yeah, GDX is definitely with the price of gold moving to these levels and close to 2000. GDX is, the moves are gonna be amplified higher. So it is kind of like a leverage way to play this. Um, Now, do you, it, you know, maybe you don't want to necessarily take that risk because if the gold does come down, it's leveraged down, right? It's going to fall yeah. pretty quickly. Um, and you know, we've been in this trade on the downside too. When gold kind of moved below eighteen hundred, we we owned the GDX and we were negative almost ten percent. So I think we're in the double digits positive now. I'm not really sure where we're at, but it, uh, yeah, it, it's just as volatile as any of these other ones. Do you recommend someone buy like the GDX just to get the full exposure versus trying to figure out which, uh, you know, gold miner is the one to buy like a Newmont or something? Is it just easier to buy the basket? Yeah, that's what I would do uh, rather than try to 
try to figure out which one. I mean, Newmont's great. It's one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you have like Franco Nevada and some other ones that actually have silver exposure in the GDX too, so it's just a, a little more diversification within that. Um, I don't think like these all trade together. Um, there's right. not going to be that much beta separation from each other, except when you get to those really small ones that are in the GDX J. Um, but yeah, GDX is definitely the the play where the, you can kind of just buy that ETF and not think about individual earnings reports. You're just counting on the price of gold staying here or higher. Okay. What else do we need to know about commodities? Are there any other ones that are out there that it's a good thing to be looking at for investors? Or have we covered most of the ones that are, you know, the ones everybody's looking at here in 2022? Yeah, so the most popular ones are the oil, the gold. Um, this is what everybody looks at and talks about, right? It's yeah. Our daily lives, um, natural gas as well, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, th there's a bunch of stocks out there that reflect the price of other uh, commodities. So a lot of these steel names have been really hot. Your new cores, uh, yeah. steel dynamics. Um, I We have in um, commodity winners, we have CLF, uh, Cleveland Cliffs, which has... Um, really done a good job of reinventing themselves and uh, getting some solid exposure to uh, steel, but not steel prices. Like that stock has, it, it dipped down severely um, after some earnings a couple months back and has just been on a tear since. It looks really strong. Aluminum, um, you know, with Alcoa. And yeah. then, then there's some that it's really hard to find exposure. So cotton, lumber, sugar, stuff like that. It's hard. There are ETFs out there, um, but you know, I think they've already had the the meat is no longer on the bone, if you know what I mean. They've had their moves. Yeah. Uh, coffee as well. Uh, one of the one of the best tickers out there, Joe. Um, huh. So they've really had their moves, and uh, you, you know, buying on pullbacks might work. But one thing I caution: what's what's crazy about commodities, they tend to go up really quickly and come back down when that supply dynamic is fixed. So if you just look over the last two years, uh, we had this demand destruction that sent crude oil negative and all these other commodities were just destroyed. It's right when we started commodity innovators, yeah. like COVID hit, <laughs> or I, I buy a bunch of stuff, COVID hit and everything goes, you know, tanks and we have to get out at quick losses. Um, yeah. And then, so that was, a difficult time where you kind of have to figure out where we are because if everything closed down there's no demand so what happened is all the supply built so what do the producers do they cut off that because they want to stop losing money so when covid kind of ends which it ended like five times and started again but when, it, when it, we're finally back which we seem to be all this demand comes back and now we still have a supply side issue that hasn't fixed itself due to multiple reasons uh supply chain Still some COVID shutdowns here and there all over the globe. Just okay. It just hasn't uh, fixed itself. The oil producers, they, they are uh, fine. At OPEC, they are fine with prices up here. They don't want to hit the market. Um, so what we have now is the supply side. Add in the Russian invasion and the external event. We have a serious supply side issue. So it's going to take some time for this to remedy itself. But when it does, you just got to be careful with commodities because they can go down as fast as they go up, which we saw in 2020. <laughs> and and you just you kind of have to just be disciplined when you're you're in these things. 
Okay, that's good advice. But it sounds like you're not against people buying into some of these stocks at this level. No, like I say, if these, if these, it, so it might be in a long-term macro kind of situation where inflation is just going to sustain commodity prices. And until that kind of narrative is gone, where that doesn't look like that's a possibility, you can be in the commodity stocks for sure. The commodities itself, I don't know, because there's going to be a lot of volatility. But these right. stocks, like these oil names, they're just going to be cash cows, right? They're going to have free cash flow, and they're just going to print money. So it's it's kind of a nice place to be if these high commodity prices can, can sustain themselves. So I would say I like the stocks more than I like the commodity themselves at the current moment. Okay, that's good advice. And that's good for our listeners because I feel like they're more into the stocks than oh, actually yeah, trying sure. to trade any of those commodities or doing I'd, I'd also point out, like, I do think that um, when it comes to the hedge fund space, um, they're probably underinvested in this area still. So there might be some support, uh, you know, on any kind of pullbacks just from uh, people who have missed a trade and looking to get in on this trade because they do see that kind of opportunity if um, uh, commodity prices can sustain these higher prices. Yes, uh, I definitely think most of the big funds have not been in any commodities, you know, even the ones that are more acceptable to buy these days, like the agriculture ones, um, that they're all underinvested. What do you think about a lot of these companies? You know, they have great free cash flows right now. They're, they're paying those big dividends, but they're also doing big share buybacks. Like some of them are huge share buybacks. Do you think that that is going to put a floor under some of these stocks? Like, so if there is like a 5% pullback in some of them. I've noticed this with some of the oil stocks. We're not getting much more than like a 5% pullback. And maybe that has to do with just the sheer huge size of some of these buybacks. Yeah, that could be some of it. I, I think that, you know, the current volatility is more kind of headline driven. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if they're entering, you know, now it, it's kind of like, yeah, we got this program and <laughs> you know, if we get a, a larger pullback, maybe that's when they get. But they have to do something with this money, right? They can either disperse it to the investors through the dividend. They can go out and buy, and you know, expand and buy another company, um, or they can buy back their their stock. So, um, you know, if they raise their dividend, that's going to support the the uh, stock. If they buy back the stock, that will support the stock as well. Um, you now, depending on uh, the company and what they pay for it. Uh, that can some you know you buy a company sometimes the stock can can go down because the you get more debt usually but you know it's all about that cash it's all about the cash and where they're going to put it and yeah like you said it could definitely support the stock um, on any kind of big drawdown okay uh, let me recap a lot of the tickers that we talked about today in case you're interested in checking out any of these commodity plays so there was mosaic on the fertilizer side ticker mos we had Freeport and Southern Copper on the copper side and just metals. FCX is Freeport, Southern Copper is SCCO. Then if you want just like a big basket of tons of the different commodities, BHP Group, they're Australian actually, but they are cheap and paying that big dividend. BHP is the ticker. And then Jeremy talked about how he just added Rio Tinto, another one that's uh, like BHP competitor. RIO is the ticker there. It's also cheap and paying a double digit dividend right now. Then we talked about um, gold 
of course, you can buy the gold ETF if you just want to own the commodity. GLD is the ticker, but Jeremy likes the miners. So you can get those in the ETF with GDX. That's the bigger miners. And then there is the junior one, too. That's GDXJ, which is the, the junior smaller miners. And then he mentioned Cleveland Cliffs. That's on steel side. CLF is the ticker there. And um, he also mentioned Joe, that good coffee ticker. <laughs> I think we talked about that on our last podcast, too. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Um, and then Alcoa on aluminum. What's Alcoa's ticker these days? AA. Just AA on that one. And I think that covers most of it. So if you're looking around for some commodities, it may not be too late to get in on this trade, especially on any weakness in these stocks. Keep them on your watch list, but they're all printing the cash for now. And we'll have an update as we go on throughout this year and see what's happening on the commodity side. So you don't want to miss a single episode of The Market Edge because we're bringing you all these hot topics and there's plenty. So be sure to subscribe or get us on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify and Amazon Music. And anywhere you can get podcasts, you can find us. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.